Good morning, and happy Advent, happy Christmas time. This is such a special time of year for us as we get ready to welcome the Savior again into our lives and into our world, and we get to be together this morning. What a privilege, <clears throat> what a privilege. Would you, uh, would you open your Bibles with me, <clears throat> excuse me, and turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke 1. We'll read 26 through 38, and then 46 through 55. Luke 1, starting with verse 26. Listen to God's word for us today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. <clears throat> but she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you this day will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative in Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then over to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And over to the book of Romans, the last two verses, three verses of Romans, 25 through 27 of chapter 16. <clears throat> Romans 16, 
25 through 27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time set apart from our busy week to just sit at your feet and listen to your word. May it be your voice that speaks to the deep places in our souls today. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So when it comes to Christmas presents, are you a hint or a no hint kind of person? Do you like to uh, get some information about what your Christmas presents are going to be? Or do you like to be totally surprised? I personally am a, a hint person. I, would, I wouldn't want to know exactly what I'm getting, but I like a little hint, just a little something to go on. Unfortunately, I'm married to someone who believes in no hints, none, <laughs> not even a little bit, not even a tiny piece of information. When you were a kid, were you the kind of kid who shook the presents under the tree, or were you the non-shaker kind? You know, if you shake a box of Legos, it's pretty easy to tell what you're going to get. What's in that package? That's part of the fun of Christmas when you're a kid, isn't it? Looking at those presents under the tree and wondering, what is in there for me? The mystery of it is just irresistible as a child. As we adults approach the Christmas season, we may feel a little bit of a sense of disappointment. That mystery is a little bit gone for us now, isn't it? We're we're probably the ones doing most of the shopping. Maybe we even buy our own presents and wrap them up on behalf of our spouse or something now. Grown-ups have been known to do that kind of thing. The mystery of Christmas for us may feel like it's kind of gone. Christmas may feel more like a to-do list than a mystery and anticipation. Maybe That takes the joy out of Christmas, because Christmas is supposed to be all about mystery, isn't it? All about surprise. After all, that first Christmas began with a big surprise. Mary, a young woman, just minding her own business in Nazareth, has a visitor. And this is not just any visitor This is an angel, and it's not just any angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says it's the angel Gabriel. This is the big time. When God has a really important message to send to someone, he sends 
Gabriel, who seems to be his number one messenger. So Gabriel comes to Mary, and he says to her, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. The key information that he communicates first and foremost is, the Lord is with you. Wow. That is a good message, isn't it? That's what we all want to know, isn't it? That the Lord is with us. Have any of you ever said those words, are you there, God? Where are you, God? That's the human condition, isn't it? We want to know that the Lord is with us. That's what we want. So the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, you're favored by God. The Lord is with you. But the truth is, the reality of God's presence, that the Lord is with her, doesn't have the effect that we might expect. It's interesting, angels almost always start by saying, Don't be afraid. We think if God would just show up in our lives in a way we could see, it would solve so many problems. And perhaps that's true, but it seems like in the scriptures when that happens to people, the angels need to reassure them because they are terrified. They almost always start by saying, don't be afraid. And if you look at Mary's reaction here, verse 29, she's not reacting with joy or with relief, but it says that, She is confused and disturbed. Sometimes that's what Mary's, that's what God's presence does to us. It's not the giant dose of Tylenol that we expected. Sometimes it's more like a plow that turns over the soil of our hearts and minds and stirs things up. It says Mary was confused and disturbed. That's part of the the mystery of Christmas when God shows up in power in people's lives. It turns things upside down. When God makes us confused and disturbed, what do we do? What do others do? Adam and Eve, when they experienced God's presence in their lives, they hid themselves in the garden, it said, didn't they? Jonah ran away and tried to take a ship away from God's presence. The rich young man that Jesus had a conversation with and and Jesus told him, your life and your relationship with money have to change. The gospel says he went away sad. We see, despite these drastic changes that, that Gabriel's announcement brought to her life, Mary does the opposite of what we do so often. She didn't allow her fear and her confusion to be something that made her run away from God or hide herself from God, but she kept listening to what the angel had to say, and she said yes. She said yes to God's presence and to God's plan. Kenneth Carter tells a wonderful story about a man who was home with his children one afternoon while his wife went out Christmas shopping. He was reclining on the couch, half sleeping, half watching a football game, when the kids all came into the room and they said, Dad, we have a play to put on. Do you want to see it? 
he didn't really want to see it that bad, but he knew he needed to, so he sat up and kind of woke himself up and became a one-man audience. His four children, who were four, six, eight, and ten years old, were the actors. Mary and Joseph and the rest of the people in the Christmas story. Mary came in with a pillowcase over under her pajamas. Another child came in as uh, an angel flapping her arms as wings. And uh, Joseph came in carrying a mop handle. Finally, the last child, the eight-year-old, came in. And she had all the jewelry she could find in the house on. And she had her arms full of three presents. And she said, I am the three wise men. I bring three precious gifts, gold, circumstance, and mud. (laughs) Gold, circumstance, and mud. And you know, Carter says the father didn't laugh. And he didn't correct the wise man. He reflected on the word that somehow got to the heart of the Christmas story for him. That God accepts us for who we are. He loves us for who we are, for our gold, for where we are at our best, for our circumstances, where we might be even now, and even our mud, where we are the most fallen and the most broken. God chose an ordinary human being, Mary, to be the vessel through which the Son of God would be born. What a mystery. What a mystery. What is impossible for us is possible for God. I love how this passage ends with verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. What a mystery. God can take our gold, our circumstance, and our mud and do something amazing with it, something redemptive and glorious with it. This is the disruptive call of God for Mary and maybe even for us, for you, for me today. Do you hear God calling you, disrupting your life? What will you do in answer to that call? This passage here, the beginning part of Luke that we read, starting with verse 26, is often called the Annunciation. That's your $3 word for today. The Annunciation. It's the announcement of Gabriel to Mary that she would be the mother of the Savior. The Annunciation. And then the second part, that we read, starting with verse 46, is often called the Magnificat. That's your other $3 word for today. Uh, The Magnificat. It's Mary's song of praise. The Annunciation is the the, uh, announcement of God, and the Magnificat is the human response to that. In verse 46, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. It's kind of a strange word to use there, isn't it? My soul magnifies the Lord. What does she mean by magnify? Well, you know what a magnifying glass does, right? It makes all the details of something more visible. 
so they can be appreciated. That's what Mary is doing with her her song or her poem or her proclamation here about Jesus. She's about God. She's throwing a big magnifying glass on God and saying to everyone who can hear, look, look at how amazing God is. Look at this amazing mystery of who God is. Let me read that passage for you again. I'm going to read it in the message version. It goes like this. And Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on the earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose name is holy, set apart from all the others. His mercy flows in wave after wave to those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength. He scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked the tyrants off their high horses and pulled the victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet, and the callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen Israel and remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham right up until now. We learn a lot about God from these few verses of the Magnificat. Kenneth Carter has magnified these characteristics of God by taking Mary's complex and beautiful song, her poetry, and turning it into a simple list. As I read this list of the attributes of God or the characteristics of God, I want you to listen and do a simple spiritual exercise with me. Listen for an attribute of God that is comforting to you. One that you say, yes, that is what I need to know about God for me today. And also listen for a facet of God that is the most challenging to you. One that makes you say, oh, I got to think some more about that. So these are all from Mary's song here, from the Magnificat. Listen to these. God saves. God blesses. God does great things for us. God's name is holy and set apart. God is merciful. God desires reverence. God is strong. God hates pride. God judges human leaders. God is on the side of the oppressed. God feeds the hungry. God helps those who serve him. God remembers. God keeps his promises. The dimension of God that comforts you is your word from the Lord today. That is God's presence with you, coming to you. And the aspect of God that challenges you is also God's word for you today. God stirring up, plowing up that soil of your heart. 
when God calls and we respond, we move into the future in the knowledge that God is with us, but also that God is always asking us to do more than is in our power to do. God is always asking us to do more than is in our power to do. But nothing is impossible with God. And now we have this Romans passage hanging out there too. What does that have to do with what's going on in Luke today? We have these last few verses of Romans where, where uh, Paul is praising God. And he says that this good news is the message about Jesus Christ and his plan for all of you Gentiles, all of us Gentiles, all of us who were not born into that family of the Jews but who have been grafted in later. He says this plan was kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, in verse 26, now as the prophets foretold and as God commanded, this message is made known to all people everywhere. That's the mystery He says, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery that that Christmas reveals that God is with us. God comes to save us. And he tells us that the purpose of letting this mystery be known is so that we can believe and that we can obey. We can live in harmony with God. We can know God. And we can know this gift of Christmas has been revealed. And like Mary, we can say yes to God. Sometimes we hear people say, Christmas is for children, right? Christmas is for children. The the lights and the the presents and all the traditions that we want to focus on the children. I say, Christmas for grown-ups. We, of all people, are the ones who need this good news that God is with us. Christmas is for us, jaded, tired, broken-hearted, the ones who really don't need anything else under the tree because we have everything we need. Christmas is for us. And Romans tells us it's here for us so we can believe and we can live it. And I would also say it's here so we can celebrate. We of all people should celebrate. Ann Weems is a writer whose husband was a pastor for many years before he retired. One of their children was killed. And after that experience, she found it very hard to celebrate Christmas, and so she began to write. And she wrote some wonderful poetry in a book called Kneeling in Bethlehem, and this is one of her poems. It's called Not Celebrate. It goes like this. Your burden is too great to bear. Your loneliness is intensified during this Christmas season. Your tears have no end. Not Celebrate. You should lead the celebration. You should run through the streets to ring the bells and sing the loudest. 
You should fling the tinsel on the tree and open your house to the neighbors and call them in to dance. For it is you, above all, who know the joy of Advent. It is unto you that a Savior was born this day, one who comes to lift the burden from your shoulders, one who comes to wipe the tears away from your eyes. You are not alone, for he was born to you this day. What a mystery. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your greatest gift of all. And thank you that you are a gift that any of us can receive, whether we feel we are worthy or not, whether we have ever spoken with you before or not. No matter what, Lord, you want us to receive you. You welcome us. So, Lord, we come to you today. And as we get ready to gather around your table and receive the mystery of what you did for us on the cross, we come to you on our knees because we need your forgiveness. There's a lot of gold in us, but there is a lot of circumstance and a lot of mud as well. And we are relying on your mercy. Lord, just now, would you help each of us to give you who we are, the good and the bad, to walk away from the things that we know need to have no more part in our lives, the attitudes, the habits, the things that are separating us from you and each other. God, we repent of those things and we ask for your forgiveness. We know when you came to earth that you changed everything. You lived for us, you died for us, you rose again for our sake. And now you live and you pray for us. Lord, we pray as we take this bread and we drink this cup that you would make it real to us again, that this gift is for us, that you would make us new and clean and right, and that you would make us whole and holy That's what we want to be, Lord. So God, would you pour out your spirit on us and on these gifts, the bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ and make us be the body of Christ in the world, redeemed by his blood. Make us one with you. Make us one with each other. And keep us strong, Lord, until one day we get to sit down with you and feast in your heavenly banquet with all your people. We cannot wait. But until that time, Lord, walk among us, be with us, and keep us close to you by your grace. We give you honor and praise and glory in your name. Amen.